Let's hit it. Commanding you to bow down. I'm on your side. By branding you as a rebel. But you're not. A traitor. This isn't freedom. This is fear. are not the government. The government is not us. How we doing everybody? Goodness, goodness gracious. Quite a thing going today. Got a lot of shit to talk about. I've I've been I have been unable to shake my free speech boner ever since Count Dankula got arrested. So I think I'm gonna use this show to sort of uh Clear out a little bit, sort of calm down and try to get my thoughts out there before I fucking explode. Oh, do we do have some interesting legislation, and our interesting legislation is actually going to tie into the main topic for today. We have some other news as well. Death penalty for drug dealers, we've got tech stocks, we've got, uh... Something that I found funny about the Omnibus Bill. It's not really all that serious. I want to shit on Police Scotland for a minute. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Overwatch League just for a second. I'm not going to get way into it, but there's some interesting things happening there, and I think they I think they carry over in an interesting way. I'm going to be talking about Cambridge Analytica, which I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing about, but it ties into the main topic of today's show. So I'm not going to get too deep into it, but I will talk about it a little bit. Let's get into our interesting legislation for today. This is a sad one. This is the uh, SESTA-FOSTA bills. This is a pair of bills in the, uh, in the Senate and the House that would make it illegal for websites to publish advertisements for uh, prostitution. The idea is that it's going to help end child sex trafficking, I guess, is what they're hoping for. It's not going to fucking work, but I think that's what they're hoping for. If I take them at their word, that's what they're hoping for. I'm very worried about this because I saw a couple of, and I don't follow sex workers on Twitter, but it found its way to me just through the people that I do follow, people who are agorists and people who value um, people having the right to do whatever they want to with their bodies, uh, it found its way to me that this is actually very, very, very bad for sex workers, and it's dangerous for sex workers. This pair of bills is, uh, it's going to hurt a lot of people, and it's going to make it very hard for these women, women primarily, but also men, uh, to do their jobs. So I want to talk about that. The uh, I was going to read from Reason, but I think I'd rather read from the EFF. Uh, from the EFF story, 
In passing Sesta slash Fosta, lawmakers fail to separate their good intentions from bad law. And this was written by Elliot Harmon, March 21st. The U.S. Senate just voted 97 to 2 to pass the allow, the quote, allow states and victims to fight online sex trafficking act, FOSTA, H.R. Uh, 1865, a bill that silences online speech by forcing Internet pa- platforms to censor their users. As lobbyists and members of Congress applaud themselves for enacting a law tackling the problem of trafficking, let's be clear, Congress just made trafficking victims less safe, not more. The version of FOSTA that just passed the Senate combined an earlier version of FOSTA, what we call FOSTA 2.0, with the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act, SESTA, that's Senate Bill uh, 1693. The history of SESTA-FOSTA, a bad bill that turned into a worse bill and was then rushed through votes in both houses of Congress, is a story about Congress's failure to see that its good intentions can result in bad law. It's a story of Congress's failure to listen to the constituents who'd be most affected by the laws it passed, It's also the story of some players in the tech sector choosing to settle for compromises and half wins that will put ordinary people in danger. It's very interesting. Um, I'm going to skip down a little bit to what I think is the most interesting part of the EFF's rundown on this. Uh, Throughout the SESTA-FOSTA debate, the bill's proponents provide little to no evidence that increased platform liability would do anything to reduce trafficking. On the other hand, the bill's opponents have presented a great deal of evidence that shutting down platforms where sexual services are advertised exposes trafficking victims to more danger. Freedom Network USA, the largest national network of organizations working to reduce trafficking in their community, spoke out early to express grave concerns that removing sexual ads from the internet would also remove the best chance trafficking victims had of being found and helped by organizations like theirs, as well as law enforcement. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. Um, This whole thing just kind of makes me sick because you're not actually shutting down child sex trafficking. You're shutting down prostitution advertisements. Those are two completely different things. And worse than that, you're holding the platform owners liable for those advertisements. This is something that has been shown to be um, uh, stupid. And it's actually counter to the legislation that helped allow the internet to grow. Um, Certain legislation, I can't remember what the actual bill was called. I think it was the Communications Decency Act. It's like 2003 or something. But it very specifically disregards the idea of holding platform owners responsible for what happens on their platforms necessarily. Like it's, it's... Advertisements for prostitution. Uh, This is why Craigslist was allowed to have uh, thinly veiled advertisements for prostitution that they have since taken down um, because they they took down their whole personal section because that's where a lot of prostitutes were advertising. That's where a lot of sex workers were advertising. So this whole thing is 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 stupid and wrong. And I'm going to come back to kind of what this sort of thing leads to later on in the episode. But After our interesting legislation, I like to mention a Quillet article. So, let's talk about a Quillet article that I saw earlier in the week and fell in love with. This is from Quillet.com, and it it occurs to me I've never actually spelled that. Q-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E dot com. What the alt-right and regressive left have in common. This uh, This is exactly the kind of take that I actually think is just volcanic. This is the kind of thing that I love. In fact, I touched on it in my write-up of Trump derangement syndrome and how it has affected people on the left and the right 
uh, equally, almost. Um, I love this article. This is one of the uh, one of the shorter ones. Quillet doesn't often have articles this short, but I I think it's definitely worth your time. It's definitely worth a read. Uh, I don't go through and read the Quillet articles. I just suggest them. Um, let's move on to oh yeah okay from the fifth column news. Death penalty for drug dealers? Be careful what you wish for, President Trump. This was uh, posted on March 25th. In his first 2020 re-election campaign appearance in New Hampshire, U.S. President Donald Trump addressed some of his typical bombast to the so-called opioid crisis. If we don't get tough on the drug dealers, said Trump, we're wasting our time. That toughness includes the death penalty. An odd take, considering that one of Trump's few worthwhile campaign promises was to leave the legal status of marijuana up to the states. That promise should have been kept and extended to other drugs as well. Instead, he turned Jeff Good People Don't Smoke Marijuana Sessions loose as Attorney General to the country's injury. Even more odd, coming as it does from a high-level drug dealer like Donald Trump. So, uh, the owner, uh, I'm sorry, you know the owner of the Trump winery. And as of his 2016 campaign, financial disclosures, a shareholder in multiple conspiracies to manufacture and traffic in drugs, including opiates, to wit Pfizer, Merck, uh, Celgene, is that how that's pronounced? And GlaxoSmithKline. So this is a, this is an interesting an interesting thing that th- the take that they're that they have on this is rather interesting. But um, I think it's been talked about enough how terrible Jeff Sessions has been as uh, the Attorney General with regard to drugs. He's been absolutely miserable talking about freaking rolling into states and burning the fucking fields. Like that's how that's what I feel like he wants to do. I don't know if he said he's going to. But I, I feel like if he had the opportunity, if someone approached him, if someone approached Sessions and said, you can roll into Colorado with the DEA and burn the fields, he would be like, oh, fuck yes! He would come his pants. He is so... Ugh. I just hate this kind of thing. The, uh, the death penalty for drug dealers is fucking stupid. And it's stupid for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that under federal law, there are two kinds of drug possession, and only two. There's possession for, you know, your personal use, and there is possession with intent to distribute. And that applies to people all the way up to kingpins and all the way down to the dude with a freaking freaking baggy of freaking weed that's just slightly too large in his backpack. Especially if he has a couple hundred bucks on him. That's that's possession with intent to distribute. Um and th- that's the same uh level as far as federal law is concerned, which is what sucks about this whole thing. There's no such thing, well, the death penalty itself sucks, but outside of that, there's uh, also such a thing as a blind mule. A blind mule is a person who has to carry, uh, typically across the border, but not always, has to carry drugs, and they don't know that they're carrying drugs. They're just hired to, to carry a package and get it from one place to another. They're just couriers, and they don't know what it is that they're carrying. Blind mules are a thing. And so, uh... <laughs> Snarks in the chat said, Frickin'! <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, this is one of those things that... It, it's. I don't think it's ever going to happen, personally, but uh, the fact that people want to do it is frightening. Moving on. After all of this, uh, all well, people have become very, very aware of their data, and they've become very aware of the fact that all these companies uh, have access to their data. These tech companies, your Facebooks and your Googles and your your everything else's. Really, those are the two main ones. But Amazon's there as well, and they all have access to 
various different types of data that they collect from you. People have become very aware of this because I think primarily of the uh, the Facebook stuff that's happened, the Cambridge Analytica stuff that's happened, because a lot of the more liberal people see that and they're like, wait a minute, my data might have helped get Trump elected? So I think while the level of concern that we're seeing is probably appropriate, the reasons for it are, are likely very stupid. But this is from, uh, from Zero Hedge on the 28th of March. We're looking at some various charts, and they are all reading. I actually thought there was going to be words in this, but it's actually it's just all charts. Uh, let's look at some of these charts. The Dow is green on the week. NASDAQ is red. The S&P 500 managed to hold its uh, 200 DMA. FANG stocks sank again. Amazon was ugly. Biggest two-day drop in four years, but bounced a little when the White House said any impact on Bezos wasn't planned yet. Remember, as goes Amazon, so goes the market. I would buy that for a dollar. Um, Facebook stocks are way down. Bank stocks are down. Kind of, they, they look like they're bouncing on the bottom. Uh, yeah, actually, this isn't as interesting as I thought it would be, so I'm going to move on. All right, in the omnibus bill. In the omnibus bill, there was money. Money that was supposed to go to one project. And that project is border security. And very specifically, more fencing. This is one of the things that I find very funny. Um, Donald Trump's never going to build the fucking wall. It's never going to happen. There's never going to be a wall. It's it's never going to be... Ooh, talk about corn and glass. GSW, what's going on with corning? Let's look at there. Let's look at corning's uh, chart. I need to throw a dollar sign in front of that. Corning, it looks like they're... Let's go back to the one month. Oh, wow. Corning's, corning's month does not look good. What was that dip? That dip was on, what, January 19th or so? Around January 19th of 2018. My good God. There was a massive dip on Corning. Oh, am I looking at the wrong chart? I think I am looking at the wrong chart. Oh, it's GSW. Wow. That's very interesting. False rumors created a good entry point. Yeah. Yeah. I would would definitely say that's a good entry point for Corning. These guys... Corning makes almost all of the glass in uh, in cell phones at this point. The the glass, the screens. Um, there's very few cell phones, very few companies that don't buy their their glass from Corning. And Corning has patents like freaking crazy on incredibly strong glass for for personal electronic devices. That probably is a good entry point for that. I'm not an expert, uh, but I think that's that's probably very good. In fact. I wonder what they're priced at right now if I look at Robin Hood, but I'll do that later. Um, the wall, the wall, the wall, the wall. Yeah, it's never going to get built. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to get built. And I'm just going to read the uh, just the bullet points at the top of this Daily Mail piece. Uh, Daily Mail piece titled, It's All Congress' Fault. White House says it can only build 33 miles of new border barriers because Democrats refuse to give them money for the whole wall Trump promised. Congressional budget appropriation for the next six months sets aside $1.6 billion for immigration and border security. Only $600 million of that covers construction of small parts of Donald Trump's promised border wall. The White House budget chief says GOP got 110 miles of border barriers funded, but only 33 miles cover stretches of open border with no existing walls for fencing. President promised last year, mm, I'm sorry, promised last year to build this wall in his first term and said it would require 700 to 900 miles of new sections. At this rate, it would take at least 10 to uh, 10 and a half years to complete. Maybe longer. Yeah, it's never going to happen. 
Because here's the thing, even if Trump does start building a wall, the next person in office, they're going to tear it down because they're going to be, it's going to be demanded that they do. Because if you think a Republican is going to win after Trump, I don't know if Trump is going to get a second term. I'm not going to call that. But I think it's crazy to think a Republican is going to win after Trump. I think it's impossible. I, I think, I think it's impossible to have a Democrat after maybe Trump's second term, if he gets a second term. Or, or, or Republican, rather. I think we're guaranteed a Democrat after Trump. All right, Overwatch League, just real quick. Overwatch League, um, one of the interesting things that they've done recently that I think is a microcosm of some of the problems that they're having with player conduct is that... Um, oh, I'll just read from PC Gamer by Andy Chalk eight days ago. It said eight days ago. Date it, guys. Just put a date on it. Overwatch League confirms a crackdown on Pepe memes among players and fans. The league said it wants to discourage the use of images associated with hate groups. J1 of the Overwatch League San Francisco shock posted a tweet a couple days ago marking his 18th birthday. But shortly there, Jesus, fuck, professional, people playing professional esports, and he just had his 18th birthday. This is, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Posted a tweet a couple days ago marking his 18th birthday, but shortly thereafter it disappeared without explanation. Confusing matters even further, one implied in a follow-up tweet that he'd been compelled to take it down. Jay's tweet, LOL, had to delete last tweet, but thanks for the birthday wishes, guys. According to esports consultant Rod uh, Breslau, the tweet was taken down at the request of Blizzard, who asked the shock to remove the tweet because of the presence of a Pepe image. Uh, Pepe is a cartoon frog who first appeared in Matt Fury's Boys Club in 2005. Over the years, it's evolved into a popular internet meme that has more recently been adopted by the alt-right Nazi sympathizers. Man... Jesus fuck. If you want to say, oh, God damn it, I, 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 this, oh, that's so stupid. I've talked about it on previous shows, but it's one of the stupidest fucking things in the world. Breslau said he understood that Blizzard is attempting to crack down on the use of the image in the Overwatch League because it's potentially offensive and not just among players. As Kotaku noted in January, two Dallas Fuel fans were compelled to surrender a Pepe sign they'd brought to Owl Season 1 debut. The Dallas Fuel's been having a really rough time. <laughs> I feel bad because. Dallas fuels my home, my the closest to a home team that I have. An Overwatch League spokesperson confirmed with Dot Esports that this is in fact what's happening. The over quote the Overwatch League discourages the use of symbols and imagery which are associated with or used by hate groups, including Pepe the Frog. At Blizzard Arena, it's our policy that fans comply with this poli- with the, it is our policy that fans comply with this policy. Good quote. We likewise ask the the same of Overwatch League teams and players on their social media accounts. Owl Overwatch League also known as Owl, has been very, very restrictive on what people are allowed to do outside of their, their, outside of tournaments. They, they are, there have been several of them fired. Several have been suspended for various reasons. Uh, some of them are legitimate. Some of them are, um, dumb. I think some of them are very dumb. There was one, uh, again, I believe a fuel player who was, Kicked out of the league. First, he was suspended by Owl, and then the Dallas Fuel said, fine, fucking, we'll just get rid of him. Um, uh, XKG, I believe, was his... No, it's not XKG. XQC. XQC got kicked because he made what people consider to be a homophobic remark. Um, God, I don't... It could have been. It's, it's one of those things that I don't... I don't care, really, but at the same time, I really... I really can't tell. I don't really have the context of what he said, but what he said was that there was there's a player on the on the uh, on the Houston team who's gay, and 
apparently they had like a long-standing rivalry or something like that, but uh, XQC said something along the lines of, why doesn't he go back and suck his dick? He would like that or whatever. And um, people took this to be a crack at the Houston player's sexuality because he is gay. And I don't know. Like, it, it was... It was on his personal Twitch stream, but you know, a lot of a lot of professional sports leagues have rules for codes of conduct outside of the outside of their job. Um, we see, you know, players getting fined all the time for their behavior outside of out outside of their job, but I don't know. It, it, this is I think Overwatch League is being heavy handed, especially with like the Pepe memes and all this other stuff, because um I think Overwatch League could have come out to the people who were saying, if anyone, I didn't see any evidence of it, but there may have been, if anyone was saying that posting that Pepe mean was racist or it was somehow, somehow insensitive, I think Overwatch could just as easily have come out and said, look, Pepe's just a meme, context matters, and this is, you know, this isn't in that context, so, you know, pe people can use memes, it's fine. But they elected not to do that, uh, because I, I think... Partially is because of Gamergate. I think Gamergate is a major reason that Overwatch is being so heavy-handed about this kind of stuff. Um, Gamergate, I've talked about it in previous episodes. I don't want to get into Gamergate or, or what it is and all of this stuff. Just look it up. But um, it's... I think this is why. I think Gamergate is why Overwatch League is being so stupid. Speaking of context... I want to take a giant dump on Police Scotland for a second. Yeah, that's right. Fuck these guys. If you go to their Twitter page, at Police Scotland on Twitter, their banner is a little blonde boy next to big, bold, white text that says, you're one click away from losing everything. This is... This is fucking terrifying. These are the guys that arrested... Uh, these are the guys that took it upon themselves... To arrest our friend Count Dankula. Oh, goodness. There are a number of... As you scroll through their timeline, there are a number of things that are just terrifying for people who believe in free speech. Uh, I mean, just, just recently, what is it, 15 hours ago, their second tweet on their timeline, Hate crime includes offensive graffiti, damaging or stealing property, shouting, swearing, threatening, or physically attacking... Online abuse through social media, websites, or emails. Be greater than a hater. That's their hashtag. It's freaking <laughs> lame. And report hate. And so, if we look at their nice little poster that I'm assuming they're freaking putting up everywhere. It's got some nice cartoon characters on it. And it says, be greater than a hater. Uh, and there, the imagery on here, I think, is a hate crime because it says uh, on greater, it's all in, in gold and it has a halo. And then hater is all in red and the H has devil horns on it. And as someone who uh, happens to enjoy uh, the Church of Satan, I think this is this is a fucking hate crime. They're saying that ha that haters are somehow tied to devil devil imagery somehow tried to no. this is a fucking hate crime. The fucking Satanists need to get on their ass. Are there any Satanists in Scotland? Because this shit is... This is... This is not allowed. This is so terrible. Oh, God, I'm so angry. Trying to make haters... Trying to make Satanists look like haters. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm grossly offended. Oh, 
Their poster says it's a crime to pick on someone because of who they are attracted to, the gender they identify with, their disability, their race, their religion, or belief. I agree. Uh, I think it's bad. I think it's bad to do that. I think it's terrible to do that. But I also think uh, arresting people to do that is, um, let me think, fascist as fuck? How about fascist as fuck? Don't spread hate, be a hero, comma, fight it. Uh, okay. That's poorly worded, but all right. Use your, your fucking poster, police Scotland. You're one click away from losing everything. That's on there on their timeline again. Oh, this is horrific. This is horrific shit. They've got one thing on, they've got, I, I love trolling this fucking Twitter account because they've got, they've got a couple of things on here that it's just so easy to troll them. Um, they are, you know, indeed, uh, indeed they are fascists. And, um, I think the best way to fight these assholes is to make, make ridiculous fun of them. Also, I don't appreciate the hate crime on their poster. I really don't. There's nothing about Satan that's, that, that means hate. Nothing at all. That hurts my feelings. I'm grossly offended. They should arrest themselves. Moving on. Cambridge Analytica. This is from PolitiFact. Now, the reason I have the PolitiFact story up is because I don't, I don't, again, PolitiFact is, PolitiFact is fine, I guess. It doesn't really matter. Um, they, they peg this uh, Meghan McCain quote. It happened under Obama and it was lauded by the media as being genius. Now under the Trump campaign, it's the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And uh, so she's equating the Cambridge Analytica stuff with uh, the way that the Obama campaign got data from Facebook um, and saying that they're the same thing. Uh, and they are very similar. PolitiFact puts, put, uh, puts this at half true. I think it's probably more than half true, but whatever. And I'm going to run through this a little bit. The data, okay, from PolitiFact. Under the way Facebook allowed its app to operate, apps to operate between 2010 and 2015. And this is going to, the backstory on Cambridge Analytica is going to get filled in as I go through this stuff. Because I'm not going to run through it right now. Um, and by the way, when it says the way Facebook allowed its apps to operate between 2010 and 2015, what, they, what they're referring to there is apps that use the Facebook API. So like... Apps that are like sign in with Facebook, those apps, those are apps. Any, any quiz that you took in, you know, whatever it was 2013 or whatever, when that kind of crap was popular, any quiz that you took had access to all that data. They all use the Facebook API. And if you look on Facebook, if you look under your connected, your connected apps thing, you're going to see all that crap, all of that stuff, stuff from a long time ago, quizzes you took, all kinds of shit. Under the way Facebook allowed its apps to operate between 2010 and 2015, Obama's 2012 re-election app and the survey app used by Cambridge Analytica had access not only to their users' profiles, but their friends list and their biographical information. When the user approved it, these apps could access details such as users and friends tags, likes, and demographics. Over a million people downloaded the Obama for America app. Around 300,000 people downloaded the personality survey app that ended up sending their data to Cambridge Analytica. The number of users' data the firm reportedly gained access to, 50 million, is much higher because it includes the user's friends. The number of, the number of user data it follows was much higher for the Obama campaign, too. How it was accessed. The real divergence is in the way each campaign accessed the data. The Obama campaign created a Facebook app for supporters to donate, learn of voting requirements, and find nearby houses to canvas. The app asked users permission to scan their photos, friends lists, and news feeds. Most users complied. Well, I'm, I'm assuming you would have to, to use the app, because that's how a lot of these apps do this, is that 
they say, well, the app's not going to work if you give us this permission and they prompt you to give the permission again. I'm not sure if it was true in this case, but I've seen that a lot in, in various apps. Uh, the people signing up knew the data they were handing over would be used to support a political campaign. Their friends, however, did not. The people who downloaded the app used by Cambridge Analytica did not know their data would be used to aid any political campaigns. The app was billed as a personality quiz that would be used by Cambridge University uh, researchers. Alexander Kogan, one of the Cambridge researchers involved in the project, sold the data to the upstart political consulting firm Cambridge Analytica. The company then sold its services not only to the Trump campaign, but to the presidential campaign of Senator Ted Cruz and to the senatorial campaign of Senator Tom Till Tillis, yeah. among others. When Facebook discovered a developer had shared users' data with their, uh, without their consent in 2015, it asked both the original app and the consultancy to delete the data. That didn't happen. Of course, why would it? Facebook can't tell you to delete the data you bought. I mean, you bought it. Facebook comes to you and says, hey, delete that. You can just go, no. I mean, why, why would Facebook, uh, whatever. Oh, goodness. When Facebook discovered, blah, blah, blah. The thing, uh, quote, the thing that is true is that every Facebook app you download back then was getting access to your entire friends list, says David, David Karpf, an associate professor of media and public affairs at George Washington University. When tech people were trying to raise outrage about it, they were being ignored. Now everyone is outraged. But what McCain is wrong about is this and that Kogan sold it for a much creepier purpose. Whatever. I mean, this is difficult to read and that dude talks like a like freaking gibberish. But point being, the only difference between the way that Cambridge Analytica and the Obama uh, campaign got a hold of this data and used this data, the only difference between the two is that there was a third party in the Trump campaign uh, thing and they sold the data, which you're allowed to do. You, 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 must, you must understand as a person on the internet that any organization, app, company, what have you, that collects data is probably selling it. The likelihood that any of these companies are not selling your data is infinitesimally low. It's, it's happening. It doesn't matter what you're using. Even some of these companies that claim not to sell the data doesn't mean they can't give it away, especially for a quid pro quo type situation, or depending upon who they're giving it to. Your ISP is doing this. I mean, this is, this is not weird. This is what's expected. You have to expect that your data is going to be given to someone else. It's not going to be private. Google does this. That's why Google owns most of internet advertising. 90% of Google's income is internet advertising. These companies will sell your data and they do. So only give them what you're comfortable giving them. What you're comfortable with being like completely public. The old rule that used to apply to like email and SMS was like, if you weren't okay with it being on the front page of the New York of the New York Times, maybe don't send the email. Maybe don't see the text. Maybe don't send the text, right? Because everything on the internet can be and is kept in track forever. It's just it's just how it is. This has made a lot a lot of people way more liberal about things. This has made a lot of people way more okay with like that one nasty tweet you sent five years ago. Like, fine, who cares? Everyone sent a nasty tweet five years ago. Nobody gives a shit as long as there's no public outrage attached to it. But this is, this is what goes on. This is what should be expected. Your data will be sold. And that's what's going to happen. This is what ties into our main topic. This is what ties into the idea of free speech. From the website freespeechdebate.com, which I don't know much about. I just found it today. I like what I've seen of it, uh, but I'm not sure exactly what they're about. 
but free speech debate has a write-up about freedom of speech and privacy. And I'm just going to read a piece of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's fairly short. You can go read it for yourself. It's on freespeechdebate.com. It's called Freedom of Speech and Privacy. Written by Professor Eric Brent, Brent of the University College London. Immediately from London, so I don't exactly trust what he has to say about free speech, but we'll see. Both freedom of speech and privacy are fundamental rights, which are equally recognized in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights by international conventions such as the European Convention on Human Rights and in many national constitutions. How do they relate to each other? It is generally thought that these two rights must be in conflict with each other, and sometimes that is the case, most notably when a tabloid newspaper or a blogger wants to reveal something about a celebrity's private life. I feel like they're probably referring to the, uh, just my own thing, I feel like they're probably referring to uh, the Gawker and Hulk and, and uh, Hulk Hogan situation that happened. That was interesting. Particularly, uh, back to the story, particularly intimate details of her sex life, which she would prefer to keep to herself and a few friends. But quite often, privacy is necessary for freedom of speech or expression. Friends and lovers cannot communicate openly with each other unless they are sure that their conversations will not be overheard and filed by the government or repeated in the mass media. Even political conversations may require privacy, as when civil servants and ministers or coalition partners discuss sensitive matters of policy, they may not want to disclose, at least for the time being, their conversations to the general public. And some courts, notably the German Constitutional Court, have held that they can be protected as a matter of privacy. But how should conflicts between privacy and freedom of speech be resolved? The law cannot protect both rights when these conflicts arise. Neither is absolutely protected. My view is that we have to ask, not my view, this is from the story, my view is that we have to ask what the value of speech in the particular case is and compare it to the importance of the privacy which would be sacrificed if freedom of speech was given priority over it. If the speech, say an article in a newspaper or blog, contributes to important political or social debate and does not intrude greatly on intimate details of the individual's private life, say it mentions in passing only her dietary preferences or what she wore at a dinner party, freedom of expression should win over privacy. But if the article reveals intimate details of a celebrity's sexual life or medical history, privacy should win. Because it is hard to see how such disclosure can contribute to an important public debate. Yeah, this dude automatically... Automatically made a bad decision, <laughs> I think. Trying to make qualitative statements about about someone's speech is a very slippery, slippery slope. That's why, honestly, that's why Dankula is arrested right now. Is because the the video that he posted to his ten subscribers at the time was considered to be of very low qualitative value. The idea being that if if he was a better comedian or if the joke was funnier, he probably wouldn't have been arrested. And I think that's definitely true. Especially if he were a celebrity, if he had a name. But regardless, trying to make these kind of qualitative assessments of speech is, is a bad decision across the board. But this is why I want to share this. Because we see this happening right now, not only in the United States and in Europe, but all over the world. We see social media sites like Facebook and Twitter removing the possibility of anonymity. Slowly. Slowly at first. I think Twitter is going to designate that you have a phone number tied to your account, I would guess within the next year or two, I think they're going to make that a rule. Facebook practically already has it. Um, let me think, all these, all these companies. Google. Google requires all kinds of secondary factors to verify your identity, depending upon what you're trying to sign up for. Just trying to get a Gmail account is really not all of that, but, you know, if you're trying to sign up for various other Google services, yeah, you have to verify your identity in several ways. And again, all this data gets compiled and sold. All this data gets compiled and used. And 
the reason that I bring up the idea of hate speech laws in Scotland or in, in the UK rather, and the reason that I bring up hate speech with regard to privacy and free expression is that I think you can see you're smart people. I think you can see the connection. Uh, didn't South Park do a whole episode on this in Facebook like five years ago? Yeah. Yeah, I would assume so. Uh, South Park, I don't really watch all that much, but what I do watch with South Park is incredibly prescient. And so I'm, I imagine they did address this already. But that's kind of the point is like you, you, you yeah, you say like five years ago, if, if that's close as far as time is concerned, then we're seeing it unfold. Um, it's, it's, so, it's somewhat prophetic in that in that case. This kind of situation that happens with, with Dankula, this dude shared this video freely. Count Dankula uploaded a video to a YouTube account. I'm relatively sure it was public at the time, but I'm not sure. He had like 10 followers that were his friends, and he was arrested for it. Imagine, if you will, with how much privacy online is being degraded, how much data is being collected, and nobody gives a shit about it. Nobody cares. The only way that privacy is protected in the United States specifically is if you are in a place that has a reasonable expectation of privacy. And I imagine we're coming to the point where even if you have all of your Facebook settings set to as private as possible, I imagine we're coming to a point now where there's going to be no expectation of privacy online. And that's when you run into all kinds of problems. The reason this is important to me, and I've said this before on previous shows, on previous episodes, and on other shows, I've said the reason this is so important to me is because I'm a fucking anarchist and I know that I'm next. As soon as the government has the power to tell you what you can and cannot say, Alien and Sedition comes back. You will not be allowed to speak out against the actions of your government. I don't care what fucking country you're in. It doesn't matter. As soon as they have this power, the first thing they're going to do, after they do whatever they do for the children, which is how they always get this kind of power, as soon as they get that done, they're coming after you. Any one of you who proclaims to have any sort of anti-government, anti-current government, you don't even have to be anti-government, you can be a libertarian. You can be okay with having government, just not this one. And they're coming after you because they can't have that kind of talk. That kind of talk leads to revolutions. They don't want that. They never will. So you're seeing how all of these things are connecting. You're seeing how all these things are coming to a head. Loss of privacy online. Connecting with people being okay with censorship, which I haven't touched on yet, but you see it all over. You see it all over Twitter, especially. Ban every Nazi! Yeah, okay, fine. If Twitter wants to ban Nazis, they can, but should you really be asking for that? And I've addressed this on previous episodes as well. No, you should not be asking for that. I don't want them to ban police Scotland, even though they're Nazis. Not Nazis, I'm sorry, fascists. But <sighs> this, is, this is the problem. People are, people are, privacy is slipping away. We know that. We know privacy online is going away and it's going to be gone. I don't think that this is a, I don't think that this is a trend that can be stopped, um, except by the, uh, very interested parties stopping it, which is a problem in itself. Because if you imagine the, the, the things that are being put together today, things like the Brave Browser, things like, uh, S-E-A-R-X.me, S -E -A -R -X dot me, um, things like that that are being put, BitChute, stuff that's being put together to try and engage privacy-minded people, 
the idea of if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear is so pervasive that if you're even involved with these projects, if you download the Brave browser or BitChute or whatever peer-to-peer system is going to be coming down the pike, which I think peer-to-peer is the answer to this, but whatever, whatever peer-to-peer system's coming down the pike, you download that, you're automatically a suspect because you're hiding something. If you turn on some kind of, uh, some kind of cryptography on your email, things like that, you're already going to be a suspect for something. This is coming. I think, I mean, all these things can only lead there. I don't know if we can turn the ship around, but all these things can only lead there. I was going through a list earlier and I'm distracting myself. People being okay with losing their privacy online. People being okay with censorship, you know, starting with things like Twitter and Facebook, but eventually, I mean, it wouldn't be ridiculous to see something like what happened in Scotland happen here. Of course it would happen here. It has happened here. It was called the Alien and Sedition Acts. It has happened here. You put those two things together, it's already a recipe for disaster. Then you also have things like FOSTA, where they have, they being lawmakers, have proclaimed that they can hold sway and hold responsible the service providers on the internet for speech that happens on their platform. That's what that, the precedent of that law is. If the Supreme Court reviews that law and says that it's constitutional, then... <sighs> They have said that they can hold entities online responsible for the speech of their users. We're a very, it's a, it's a hop, skip, and a jump from that to a situation where the police, all they have to do is send a subpoena or send a, uh, a FOIA letter, not a FOIA letter, I'm sorry, a, uh, a uh, FISA letter to Facebook, and Facebook just sends them your entire activity log. The same one that you can go download. If you go to Facebook and you go to your activity log, you can download an activity log. It has every single thing you've ever done. And they can just send that right to them. Here you go. We're not far from that time. We're not far from that being a possibility. Hell, it's already a possibility. It already happens. We're not far from people being okay with it. I think that's the bigger problem. We're not far from people being okay with not only their privacy being stripped away, being okay with censorship, and people being okay with those two things coming together to completely suppress free speech. I would argue, and this is just me, I'm not a lawyer or anything. I've taken a couple of law classes to get my political science degree, but I'm not a lawyer. I would, I would argue that free speech has already been chilled. We talked in the last episode about a chilling effect on speech. I would argue it's already happened. I would argue that people are already afraid socially of the reaction that would be had to what they have to say. And if that gets big enough, and I think it's getting big enough, if that gets big enough, people will be 100% okay with government taking up that mantle instead of social pressure. Right now, it's social pressure keeping the Nazis at bay. Right now, it's social pressure that keeps the out-and-out -out Maoists from talking too loudly, as it should be. But that same social pressure is used to silence people who have legitimate points, to, to vilify people who have legitimate points. I just picked up another copy of this book, uh, The Kindly Inquisitors by Jonathan Rausch. I love this book. He's coming out with a new edition of it soon. But this book, The Kindly Inquisitors by Jonathan Rausch, The New Attacks on Free Thought, I recommend everybody read this book because... And I'm glad he's coming out with a new edition because things have changed so much. But this book is so important. 
And this, this book is what has led me to, to see things this way, that the, all of these, all of these ideas, all of these strange social things that are just floating around there, uh, the people who are okay with Count Dankula being arrested, the people who are okay with, uh, all of the information being shared, the people who are okay with Facebook and Google and all these other companies, Amazon, companies like this, having all of this data and selling it or sharing it with whoever they want, including law enforcement, including including government from based on a what is not even really a subpoena from a secret court all of these people being okay with this is going to filter up it's going to filter up to government i think i, I i'm i am it's happening so perfectly that i am almost on the verge of saying that it's being done on purpose um and i think to a certain extent it is especially by the uh these neo-fascists who want to control speech, these neo-fascists who want to control uh, what people are allowed to say publicly and, and who want to vilify people just for really having an opinion, not even being necessarily bad people, just for having an opinion they consider to be unsavory. I think they are doing this on purpose. Everything is sneaky up around Sneakyville. <laughs> I think they want this to happen. I think they want it to happen. And I think the media's in on it with them. I think I think I think uh, a lot of the mainstream. If you look at the coverage of what's been happening with the with the Parkland kids, I think I mean those Parkland kids are obviously puppets. Um, obviously, it's child abuse. What's happening to them? Uh, no Agenda just did a massive discussion on that in their most recent episode. I would definitely go give that a listen as well. But those kids are obviously being abused. But you think about all the popular support that they've got. I don't know. I, I see what's happening culturally, socially. This is why I consider myself to be sociopolitical in my in my thinking is because I those things are those two things are connected. I, 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 I don't like the path we're on. I don't like the path at all. And I think it's going to end very badly. I think it's possible. Yeah, this is this is an actually a very important point from Snarks he makes in the chat. Um, whether it's the March for Our Lives or free speech, not hate speech, it's the this is the first time in American history people are actively protesting to take away their own rights. That is incredibly important. I think there's a lie that's been accepted by a lot of these people. Thank you for bringing that up because I, I was I I wanted to make this point and I completely forgot about it. I think there's a lie that's been accepted by people. Uh, it's wholesale been accepted that. Whatever restrictions you would impose on your fellow man will not be imposed on you. Or that you don't care to lose them. People like the Parkland kids, they don't see themselves owning a gun, so they don't care if it's illegal too. They don't see it as something important to them, so they don't care if it's illegal to do so. But imagine, imagine some of these speech zombies, some of these hate speech zombies, some people like that. And again, I'll mention, as I did on a previous episode, Pope Hat did a great rundown on why hate speech doesn't exist, especially in the United States, legally. Um, I've done rundowns on why I don't think hate speech exists ethically, but this is this is an incredibly important point. People people can't imagine the gun pointing at them instead. They can't imagine looking down the barrel of the same gun they want to hold up to everybody else. That's dangerous. That's a very dangerous place to be. Thank you for bringing that up, Snarks. That's that's incredibly important. Having said all of that, I think it's about time. I think it's about time. I want to remind everybody to uh, talk to me on Twitter if you feel like it. I'm at DinoFiles there. There's going to be a related write-up. Maybe not on this exact subject. This one, this subject was a little loose. It might be hard to put down uh, 1,200 words on it. But there's going to be a write-up that goes up on the Rogue file at about the same time 
as this episode goes up. And uh, thank you for listening so much. Remember, this show and others can be found at Alternative Internet Radio. A-I-R-A-D.io. And you can donate on the Rogue File. Thank you so much for listening. This show is part of the Alternative Internet Radio Podcast Network. For more great shows like this, visit AIR at AIRAD.io.